Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Licton Lifestyle. I'm Steve Peck, along with Dr. Edward Licton, the expert in the field of anti-aging and wellness medicine and the author of the textbook of bioidentical hormones. On today's show, we'll explore PMS. So it could be a show that we would say is for ladies only. However, it definitely affects men as well. Ladies, have you ever found yourself crying to a silly ad on television? Are you happy one moment but angry the next? Do you ever feel bloated, headachy, and tired? Well, if so, you might be able to blame these symptoms on PMS. And now if you're suffering from a variety of physical and emotional symptoms around the time of your period, then you might be among the millions of women worldwide who suffer from PMS. And though it's often joked about, PMS is definitely not a laughing matter. It can leave you feeling depressed, tired out, and unable to face the world. But the good news is effective treatment is available, and that's what we're going to talk about on the show today. We've got an email address where listeners can write in and ask questions to the great Dr. Lichten, and that email address is usdoctorradio at gmail.com. And so all of our listeners out at iTunes, if you want to ask Dr. Lichten a question, again, that email address is usdoctorradio at gmail.com. And here he is now. Dr. Lichten, how are you today? I'm great, Steve. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's been a great show. We're in (laughs) album two, a lot of listeners. And uh, I'm going to kick this show off with a question from Susan in Atlanta. And she asked this question. She says, first of all, I love the show. And I hope you plan to do an entire show on type 2 diabetes. My blood work shows that I'm pre-diabetic. And she mentioned her fasting blood glucose is 110, the HA1C is 5.8. But my current doctor doesn't seem concerned. I'm not sure what to look for in finding a doctor that will help me prevent this from becoming full-blown diabetes. So what treatment is best? Is metformin a good drug to use? And is it inevitable that I'll get worse since my mother had type 2 diabetes? She mentions that I'm menopausal, 56 years old, and started bioidentical hormones this year. And she's taking Prometrium, Estradiol Gel, and Testosterone Cream. She wants to know, will these have any effect on further development of diabetes? A lot of questions, but I hope you got all of that. Oh, no problem. The matter about diabetes is that in this scenario, you've already made a good start a good start for hormonal replacement, but we have the other hormones that have to be considered. And the thing you have to understand that if you are a little overweight, reducing your weight is probably the best way of controlling diabetes. So this is where metformin may be of of advantage because taking 500 to 1,000 of metformin in the morning at night will reduce the amount of carbohydrates that are absorbed. The second hormone that really is really, really important is thyroid. Now, half of the American population is low in thyroid, and if your cholesterol runs a little high, then your thyroid probably runs a little low. Look at your basal body temperature, what your temperature is in the morning before you get out of bed. It should be 98 or at least 97.8, and if it's 96 or 97, you're low in thyroid no matter what the blood tests show. So the addition of a small amount of thyroid might be very helpful for weight loss. Third, you can rely on diet. The diet I like is a modification of the Adkin diet. It's called the Okinawa diet. Mm-hmm. A lot of fish, a lot of green vegetables, seaweed, spinach, uh, salads uh, with nutrients. And this is a really good place to start. Now, there are certain minerals that are very helpful for reducing the risk of diabetes. Chromium, 
400 milligrams of chromium twice a day works as well as some of the oral diabetic agents for lowering hemoglobin A1C. General minerals, you should take a mineral supplement and digestive enzymes. The other hormone that's very important for diabetes is vitamin D. We talked about measuring the blood levels, Mm -hmm. three to four drops at bedtime. So we got vitamin D, we have thyroid, the adrenal hormones, DHEA has been shown to help the immune function and maybe the diabetic function in women. Actually, there was a patent filed on DHEA for the treatment of diabetes. And the only other thing to look at is, are your estrogen and testosterone levels adequate? And the only way you can measure if they're adequate is to look at the FSH and LH. Those pituitary secretory hormones should be less than 10. I'm concerned that the topical estrogen gel is not enough for what you're doing. And you might need more like the estrogen patch or a higher concentration of the estrogen cream. So basically, you're doing a really good job. You've got the right ideas. Balance all the hormones and stick to a diet with low carbs, high fish oil, high fatty acids. And, uh, you know, if your weight stays level and you get enough exercise, you may not have diabetes or Alzheimer's or osteoporosis, all the things that tend to fit together in an elderly or in an aging population. So you would say it's not inevitable that she goes the same path as her mother? No, it's just a question of weight. If if she's 300 if she's 250 pounds versus 110 pounds, there's a heck of a lot larger chance for diabetes. So if you keep your weight down, you stick on a essential fatty acid which is going to be a higher fish diet, uh, stay away from fruits and uh, eat more vegetables, you have a good chance for life to be uh, without disease. And so her doctor, looking at those numbers, um, she says he doesn't seem concerned. Would you uh, concur with that? Well, remember, doctors are trained to treat disease, not prevent disease. So your hemoglobin A1C of 5.8 is still under 6, so he won't worry about it. Your fasting blood glucose at 110 is high, but just taking the chromium 400 milligrams twice a day and a little more minerals and... uh, a little more fish oil and a little better diet. I wouldn't be surprised in a month your fasting glucose is at 90. And you would say she's on the right track because she's she's seeking out the hormone replacement therapy. Definitely. Prevention is what we're talking about here, and she's doing a great job. Great. Well, Susan, thank you for the question. And for other listeners, if you'd like to write, again, the email address, usdoctorradio at gmail.com. And now on to the subject of today's show, PMS. What is it? Well, it's a syndrome that occurs just before your monthly period is supposed to begin. It actually encompasses a bunch of horrible symptoms ranging from PMS mood swings to the PMS blues, and it affects about 80% of all menstruating women. PMS tends to onset about midway through your cycle, around day 14 or about the time of ovulation, and continues until your period has begun. Now, PMS can affect any woman at any time during a reproductive life and, unfortunately, tends to persist until after menopause. But luckily, there are a variety of PMS treatments that you can try to get relief, and that's what we're here to talk about today, ways that you can find relief. So what exactly causes PMS? Well, it's probably the result of changing hormone levels caused by your menstrual cycle. And Dr. Lichten's going to explain this in depth today, and we'll be speaking with Lena one of his patients, and uh, we'll find out about her experience. And what makes PMS so irritating is that it causes symptoms that affect all the different aspects of your life. It causes physical complaints, medical problems, and it often wreaks emotional havoc. In fact, over 150 PMS symptoms have been documented through various studies. 
While most women exhibit just a handful of those symptoms during PMS, there are some women that have up to a dozen at a time. I mean, that's unbelievable. Physical symptoms that include breast tenderness, back pain, muscle aches and pains, headache, migraine, bloating, weight gain, nausea, diarrhea or constipation, and hunger cravings. And that's just the physical side. But it plays games with your emotions and your mental acuity as well with depression, irritability, mood swings, unexplained crying, difficulty concentrating, decreased sex drive, and indecision. For most women, PMS is just a pain in the neck, but then for others, it can really be a severely debilitating disorder. In fact, about 5% of American women suffer from severe PMS and may have to rearrange their work, school, or social schedules just around their symptoms. The more severe form of PMS is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and uh, that generally lasts longer than PMS. For some women, it can be all month long. Dr. Lichten, you've got to let us know the 411 on PMS and what these women can do, and that premenstrual dysphoric disorder, wow, a whole month? I mean, that's like no break, right? Well. For the few minutes, I'd like to walk you through my experiences with PMS. And we're not talking about personal with wives or anything. We're talking about life as a doctor. Okay? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So when I move into town here in 1978, my my boss sends me down to, uh, within the first two months, sends me down to Harper, which is a university hospital, to see a patient who's been locked up for PMS. So my first experience back is now 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm very... I have trepidation. I'm going to go into the locked quarters of this patient who has assaulted and broken her husband's arm. Wow. Okay. So this is my first experience. So I get there and what the woman, you know, I I turned to the guard and I said, is someone going to be in the room with me? He says, no, but if you scream loud, we'll hear you. So they (laughs) take, so they take me into this room and it's a padded room. Okay, and the woman's at the far end of the room, and it's a good-sized room, like 20 by 20, and they close the door behind me, and she says, turns around, and she says, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid, I'm in a locked room with a lady that's locked up, and she says, I just got my period. And I said, okay, tell me the story. She says, I got in an altercation with my husband, and um, I hit him. I said, but you're five foot two, barely, you're what, 108, 110 pounds? And mm-hmm. she says, yes. I said, how big's your husband? He said, 230. I said, you hit him hard enough? She says, yeah, I broke his arm. Wow. And she said, but I have my period and I'm calm now and we can talk. And what happened was I had just read some articles that came from England about a case where a woman was upset with her boyfriend, so she pinned him between the lamp pole and the front end of the car and was taken to court on the preposition that she had just first degree murder and she explained that she had her premenstrual mood swings and they were out of sort and there was a woman Katrina Dalton who wrote a book on the use of natural progesterone and the suggestion was 50 years ago that this woman had too much estrogen and estrogen can make a woman or even in studies animals irritable so the assumption 50 years ago was there was not enough not enough progesterone, there was too much estrogen. So uh, Katrina Dahl used, used progesterone, just like the woman we talked about on the phone, she's using Prometrium. This woman used progesterone as suppositories, compounded, made up, 
And I used the same on my patient. My patient did fine. They let her out of the out of the four padded rooms, and uh, and uh, she saw me follow up, and we had no further complaints. But it was interesting to me to say this is a hormonal disorder, not a psychiatric disorder, and this is now thirty years later. Mm-hmm. Now the psychiatrists want to categorize PMDD as a psychiatric disease, and they have done so. But as I mentioned before i had a woman coming through getting her phd in psychiatry who did a study through my office on pms and cognitive therapy doesn't work but hormonal therapy does these women have abnormal estrogen levels and why are you treating high estrogen levels with prozac or paxil it doesn't make any sense right so my first experience with pms was this little five foot two woman breaking her husband's arm now as it started in my research became noted in the area, I started treating women with menstrual pain. And that's one thing that does happen in the same time frame. See, 75 or 80% of women will either have bad menstrual periods or heavy flow, PMS or migraine. I mean, the odds are two out of three, you're gonna get something. But the interesting thing for women is, if a woman has menstrual pain, menstrual pain, she believes menstrual pain is real, but she doesn't believe the headaches are real. A woman who has headaches doesn't believe the PMS is real. The woman who has PMS doesn't believe the menstrual pain is real. So women, as a rule, don't tend, their bosses tend not to believe them that they have these specific complaints. And they're all related to hormonal fluctuations that occur right in the last two weeks of the menstrual cycle. Well, when you say they don't believe they're real. If, if women tend to be very critical of other women, men mm-hmm. are much easier. And the women out there who are women patients and have gone to women doctors, they'll tell you, she really blew me off. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something wrong with me. So the thing I'm telling all the listeners is, if you got menstrual pain, it's real. If you've got headaches, it's real. If you got PMS, it's real. And the thing about PMS, and I see some of the worst cases of PMS, we're gonna talk about psychiatric, psychological aspects, but there's some real things that are really very unusual. I have two patients now who have seizures with their menstrual periods. Full-blown, fall down, urinate, convulse, grand mal. Wow. That's a pretty severe case of PMS, and we've, con- and we've controlled that now for 25 years. I had a woman whose lung collapsed every time she had a menstrual period. And this had been going on for years before we went ahead and treated her hormonally to stop the hormones. So when, w- when women come up or doctors come and say, well, PMS can be treated with Prozac, I said, well, I want to see you treat the migraine patients with Prozac, the one with a collapsed lung with Prozac, and the one who ends up having seizures with Prozac. So when you can treat that, then you know what the cause of the disease is, but you don't. So back to what we've said all along, is high estrogen in our environment is causing more and more PMS, more and more menstrual pain, more and more heavy periods, and more and more migraines. So there's a cause and effect here, and the treatment we have used is anti-estrogen therapy. Yeah, and I mentioned too that 150 PMS symptoms have been documented. 150. At least. And you'll see if you go through the list that seizures are listed. Collapsed lung isn't listed because there's only about 200 cases in the world's literature. But migraine, bloating, acne, fluid retention, irritability, alcohol intolerance. Years ago, I had one little old lady came to me. She was in her 60s and she was a deaconess of the church. And she went to a church function and woke up in the drunk tank. She had a couple glasses of wine and her alcohol tolerance dropped so low that she became combative. So this little quiet lady from the church is now in the drunk tank at the at the uh, court at the at the jail. 
And this is all because of the changes, biological changes that occur with menstruation. So I can see that uh, it would be hard to diagnose. I mean, you go to a, your internist and you've got a headache. Uh, maybe he's trying to treat for a headache and not considering a PMS, right? You made the statement that's most important is you chart your symptoms against your menstrual period. And that's how you make the diagnosis. I have my seizures 10 hours before I have my menstrual flow. I have my migraines two days before my menstrual period. I find I'm an irritable bitch on wheels three days before uh, I start to have my flow. I find I can't get enough alcohol or sex or I hate alcohol or I hate sex or I'm eating Lay's potato chips by the bags three days before my period. It's all the factor of charting this against your calendar and marking off where you have your menstrual period. And that's how you make the diagnosis. Not with blood tests, not with EEGs, not with psychiatric tests. You just purely chart them off against your menstrual period. So when does this all begin? If you're a, a young lady, you, you were saying in an earlier episode that women uh, can start menstruating as early as what, like nine? nine? And uh, would they uh, fall prey to some of these PMS symptoms, even at a young age like that? There's no question. I mean, when I tell stories, some of the stories I tell is I have one male patient who was a traveling salesman. He made sure he was gone for 10 days of the month because he had four girls and the wife all with the menstrual periods at the same time. He knew when to be gone. Yeah, I've, And I'm know, not teasing about this. This is real. This is not something I'm making up because the truth is, yeah, and women tend to menstruate together. So if you have a household full of women, trust me. You don't want to be there. I don't want to jump around too much, but I've heard that too before, that uh, you get girls at college campuses or you know, you put them together, they all start doing it at the same time. Why is that? Pheromones. The point is the body tends to run based on external as well as internal symptoms. And yes, uh, it's very typical. So for the guys out there, if you got two or three women in the house and they're all menstruating about the right time, the same time, and you're finding that you feel like you're being shot at, well, you may be, and it's time <laughs> to talk about what we can do naturally right. and medically to treat PMS. All right, well, let's stay at the beginning for a second here. Uh, when you're young and, and you begin PMS, uh, does it always begin uh, at the beginning, or can you get into PMS symptoms later in life that are horrible that you didn't have in younger years? It could be anyway. Again, just chart out the symptoms. So if a young girl comes in and she's complaining about heavy menstrual flow or severe menstrual cramps uh, or irritability, we put them on a low-dose birth control pill because the point is it's a cyclicity. It's a highs and low, the roller coaster effect of the high estrogen levels at ovulation and a second high level of estrogen on day 23 that trigger the brain to be irritable. So high estrogen levels, more irritable. So we'll use the lowest-dose birth control pill mm -hmm. or even some of the mini pills that have no estrogen in it to keep the estrogen levels low. And this really works for about half the women. So they have less heavy flow, less PMS, and some even less migraine. So the trick actually now for migraine, we mentioned this is a three-month pill where you don't have a period for three months. And that's something that we can use for these women to try. Some women do very well and some hate it. So you get a 50-50 split. It's a first treatment, low-dose birth control pill. If you're better, great. If you're not, we go on to something else. If that works, do you have to stay on that treatment? Well, women, as a rule, enjoy the idea that no PMS, no migraine, no worry about pregnancy. And so sexual activity, you need some contraception anyway. So the point is they'll take the birth control pill until the time they want to get pregnant. 
And it can be in the 40s. I mean, women with low-dose birth control pills can take them to the 40s with really no increased risk of strokes or blood clots. I just recommend don't smoke on the birth control pills. We're going to speak with one of your patients and hear her experience in just a couple of minutes. But uh, for our listeners, at what point do you know that you have to go see a doctor? And what doctor do you see? And, and what, what do you do for this? And at what point? When it affects your life, that means people at work shun you, your boss talks to you about being combative, you find that you can't concentrate in school, that you read the same materials over and over again during this time frame. You know, in Europe, if they have big exams once a year to move on to the next grade. In Europe, if you let them know that your menstrual period will fall at the time of the test, you're allowed to delay the test for two weeks. So the Europeans are smart enough to know that the performance on an exam can be off 15% based on a woman being caught in this premenstrual window. And if you're married or you have a regular partner and he is looking at you like, am I going to live through tomorrow? Then you have a point in time where you maybe want to address the issue of your relationship based on your emotional latitude the ups and downs and these swings are useful for keeping control but there's a point in time where you scare the guys completely so the question is is this affecting your life to a positive level or a negative level and talking it out is a good place to start the doctor you should see i have OBGYN colleagues of mine that write prozac for prozac for every single patient who walks in the door and i don't write it at all so the point is you want someone who will listen to you do your research and look at the options that are available for PMS, and they're not just Prozac and Serafin and Wellbutrin and Effexor. Well, Prozac and, and those drugs may fix one problem, but when they say there's 150, and we read earlier that some women can be suffering from at least 10 of them at the same time, obviously that's not a one-pill fix-all. Right, but the doctors may just increase the drugs until the woman sits there in a the corner and doesn't talk, and then they figure they have it, the problem oh. taken care of. Well, that's not smart medicine. But, but, I'm it's, sitting, but it's real. I mean, that's why Prozac and Paxil only made Seraphim, which is just the same drug, uh, so they could keep their patent going. But the bottom line, these drugs basically change serotonin levels, and they sort of slow down the process. It doesn't fix anything. It just, as you say, is a Band-Aid. The second treatment is that there's fluid retention. These patients are bloated. They'll put on three to five pounds of water weight. Mm -hmm. They'll get constipated, and there's a little simple water pill called spirolactone and that works in so many wonderful ways for women for their PMS that this is a approved treatment and there's scientific studies that say using spirolactone can drop three to five pounds of water weight and you think about the birth control pill and spirolactone and you've got 50 to 60 percent of women feeling better and any OBGYN should write for that okay they shouldn't argue with you on those two treatments and you should try those first that's a fairly benign drug then? Very benign drug. 100 milligrams twice a day is very benign. You said a diuretic? Yeah, but it doesn't really cause fluid re loss. What it does is shifts salt balance. And the thing about estrogen, it retains sodium. Mm -hmm. And what this diuretic does is helps you excrete the sodium, retaining the potassium. So you can reset the electrical part because your brain runs on salts, magnesium, calcium, and potassium, and sodium. If you take the sodium out then the amount of fluid in the brain drops. And lo and behold, uh, that alone can help reduce some of the irritability. So these are two simple, benign treatments that any OBGYN, uh, even a family doctor, should have no problem writing for. 
All right, Dr. Licken, I'd like to bring in your patient. I want to hear firsthand her experience, and uh, we can learn from someone that's gone through this. Lena, welcome to the Licken Lifestyle. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. You've heard us talking. Uh, Why don't you tell me a little bit about your experience, unless you want to do an intro on this, Doc? No, no, no. Just start at the beginning before you saw me, what you were going through in reference to your menstrual period, your moods, headaches, pain, all the wonderful things that women are blessed with for being women. Lena was not the one in the rubber wall room that you know. Okay. (laughs) Just checking. I was just born. Yeah. yeah, Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Remember I took 30 years off and here, you know, this. Okay. Excuse me, Lena. Um, I had it all. I felt like sometimes I had the 150 symptoms. It was horrible. The bloating, the migraine headaches, the emotional roller coaster. I mean, you name it, I had it all. When did you begin to notice that? Probably when I was about 16, 17 years old. And how did it present initially, 16 or 17 years? What's going on with you at that point? Well, first, I really didn't think too much of it because, you know, I was a teenager. You know, everything happens when you're in high school and stuff. Good point right there, Dr. Licton. I mean, when you're a teenager, you know, your hormones are doing a lot of things. And that's the hard part about this. How do you know what is what? Well, I think as Leanna keeps going with the story, she'll say where it's normal, where it becomes obvious to other people, where it becomes almost pathologic. So I think she's going to tell us a story and give us the answers. All right. So I started, you know, feeling the emotional and everything going on. And then one day I just got this really, really, really bad migraine headache. And I couldn't even open my eyes. I was like 17 years old. And... All these symptoms started happening when I got my period and it was the migraine. And I got this really, really, really sharp pain on the left side. And it turned out to be I had a cyst for a very long time. I didn't know that. So the pain she had was in her abdomen and Motrin, which is a nice, simple treatment or a leave is a nice, simple treatment for these mild menstrual pain. It doesn't even think about phasing this pain that uh, uh, Leanne experiences. Yeah. It was, I didn't know what it was. I went for a while just thinking that it was normal because my period just always changed my symptoms. Like the pain was always bad when I used to get it. And then uh, went to the emergency room because I dropped one day to the floor, didn't know what was wrong. They told me I had a cyst. And from there, I had surgery, got it removed. And was added with a different doctor. And then I finally found Dr. LinkedIn that helped me. And he actually, for the last 11 years, been my doctor. So the symptom that we have here is we have the ovarian cyst, which actually was related to endometriosis. And endometriosis just we'll think of as an extension of severe menstrual pain. So this poor girl gets cramps, sharp pains, drops her to the floor, surgery, pain still there, mood swings, headaches. Isn't it fun to be a teenager? Hmm. Doesn't sound so much fun. That's <laughs> right. That. It wasn't. I felt like I was going through menopause at an early age. That's what it felt like. Hot flashes and everything. But the surgery, how, how are you relating this? Well, she had the surgery because they found ovarian cysts. Okay. I don't know if they found the endometriosis at that time no. or not. But the point is they found the cyst, which women normally have a cyst. So they assumed the cyst was causing pain. Well, the truth is cyst doesn't cause pain. But the doctor thought it was related. So she... Leanne goes through surgery, has a cyst removed, next month has the same amount of pain, or the second month has the same amount of pain she had before. Yeah. And the doctor says, you can't have the pain, I took the cyst out. So 
you know, here's a 70, 18-year-old kid who's told that her pain's in her head, but it only comes with her menstrual period, and told it's in her head that she has mood swings, it's told in her head that these migraines are coming, and these terrible cramps, and this heavy flow, and I don't know what the parent, your parents are like, but a lot of parents, because they may not have had the same symptoms, tend to think that you're really seeking attention. I don't know if that was a story or not. No, my parents are great. My uh, my mom actually found you. I don't know if you remember that. She actually found Dr. LinkedIn for me. And uh, she was less, she was great. She she knew it wasn't in my head. Because when she was younger, too, she used to have similar symptoms when she used to get her period and you know the heavy flow and stuff like that. So she just thought I was taking it after her because she was getting the migraines, too. And that is true. You see, there's at least a, there's a strong correlation, sometimes three and four and even as high as seven times higher incidence of these diseases in the kids if the mother has it. Really? So if the mother has endometriosis, it's seven times higher than the kid has endometriosis. Hmm. If the mother gets migraine, there's a threefold increase in the kids having migraine. So the genetics plays a role in the propensity for the presentation of the symptoms. So um, in the beginning, Leanne had all these symptoms, and you can go ahead and walk, walk us through what I did years ago for you. And and how things changed as we tried each one of the modalities, if you remember, and if not, we'll make it up. <laughs> well, Lena, did you speak with other doctors before you came to Dr. Lichten? Yes, the doctor before Dr. Lichten did my first uh, surgery for my cyst that removed it. But were they addressing the PMS specifically or just your cyst? Just my cyst. Nobody knew what was wrong with me until I came to Dr. Lichten. No one knew. Like no, I, Everybody used to say, oh, you just have migraines because it's a family history. Or the you know the period flows because you know your mom has it, or your grandmother probably had it. You just got it from someone in the family. No one ever really knew what it was. So I guess Doctor Lichten took the time to listen to you, right? Oh yes, that's why he's been my doctor. Well, tell us about it. What happened? You sat down. You explained your symptoms. So I'm 20 years old now. After I had my first surgery, met with Doctor Lichten. He knew right away what it was. He told me that there is a slight chance I may have endometriosis and this is the reason why I'm getting my migraines and stuff like that. He did my surgery, removed it, removed my cyst, you know, had a little bit of endro, scraped it out. A um, few years later, I believe it came back again and then he did my surgery and he removed my endometriosis and my cyst and my ovary. So when we break this down into the three different entities here, we looked at first with low-dose birth control pills to see if that would help control the menstrual pain and the bleeding and the headaches. And I don't know which one it helped, but it must have helped one of them. Then we went to a second medication, which is called Danazole. Danazole is a testosterone derivative that's used for women with endometriosis and menstrual pain, and I use it for PMS and migraine. <clears throat> and we published this in medical literature. And we use the Danazole, the anti-estrogen, uh, for a number of years, and we got complaint, got relief of the symptoms because with the Danazol, we stopped the menstrual flow, we stopped the PMS, we stopped the migraine. Uh, the problem with Leanne was her problem was the endometriosis. So I have two out of three, or three out of four controlled, and this pain with her cycle still continues even though she's not having menstrual periods. So then we went in laparoscopically, which is using a small incision through the navel, and for her, we went ahead and burned the uh, endometriosis. There was a surgery I devised for menstrual pain. We used that and that worked for a while and then it didn't work. So we actually have a surgery that's been around for 100 years and Leanne put, had a open incision to, uh, 
to cut the nerves that run through her pelvis. It's called a presacral neurectomy. And this is something I use for the most severe cases of endometriosis and pelvic pain. And it didn't work for Leanne. So then, we've already gone through four steps that no one else has, but we then went ahead and, and we've used a combination of these new androgens, and Leanne not only stopped the uh, menstrual pain, stopped the uh, PMS, stopped the migraine, stopped having periods. I don't know if she ended up with a new boyfriend because of the sex drive increase. I know she complained about that, but that's part of life. And uh, uh, after stopping the medication, I think you're on it like six to eight months. It's been like six or seven months. You've had no medication, and you've been pain-free. So we've been able to use anti-estrogens to go ahead and control the PMS and the migraine and the mood swings and the heavy flow. And now that surgery that's been around for 100 years to control menstrual pain in the worst cases, we don't need this anymore. Are you speaking of drugs like tamoxifen? No, we're talking about danazole, okay. which is what we use for women. Uh, and uh, like I said, that's been around for 50 years, and the surgery's been around for 100 years. And I've used the surgery in the worst case of endometriosis, of which she was, not because of how much disease, but how much pain. So I go ahead and put her through the most I could do short of a hysterectomy, and she still has pain, and these new shots have taken that pain away. Those shots were great. Oh, man, those shots were great, especially when I didn't have a, an active sex drive. I didn't have any at all, at all. So we're using the same medication we used on uh, the girls with the boys and the boys. All of these people who are using this for lupus and using it for Crohn's and using this for better libido and men to keep their performance up is all based on the same concept that we're estrogen poisoned. And by blocking that estrogen, we can cure everything from PMS to menstrual pain to libido to menopause osteoporosis because we're fixing a cause. 25-year history come around to the same point of view from other diseases. And the proof is in the pudding because she is as bad as the endometriosis patient I had. We talked about hysterectomy. That's how bad the pain was. And there have been women I've operated in the past and have had, whether they had severe menstrual pain or PMS or migraines that couldn't be controlled, we've resulted with a hysterectomy that worked for most all of them. But here's a case now we don't need to do that. So we don't have to do radical gynecological surgery for these women who have problems with their menstrual period. And that's why I'm so fascinated with the, the new treatment modalities we've come up with. That's huge, what you just said. I mean, you're telling us that there are some women out there that might be considering surgery right now, that there might be another path they can take. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, Leanne knows because she was there, and after her surgery failed, and I told her that was the last step short of hysterectomy, you know, and I... I I didn't want to have a hysterectomy. I mean, she's a young kid in the 30s now. Is that right? 30 now, yeah. Okay. So why would I want to do a hysterectomy on this woman? You know, the bottom line is, and we tried. And the new hormone therapy we came up with, the anti-estrogen, the androgens, it was great. And she, another woman who was 25, same problem with 15 years of pain since she was 10. She also, both of them in a short period of time came back saying, you cured me. And that's the breakthrough we're talking about today. So this is like hormone replacement again of, right, but of sort. But we're using a testosterone androgen combination to shut down the estrogens. The estrogens coming in her body normally, the estrogens coming in from the environment, accelerate, agitate, increase the menstrual flow, the breast cysts, the ovarian cysts, the whole hormonal disruption we're talking about with PMS is worse now because there's a lot more estrogen around 
in our environment than there was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And by blocking that estrogen, we can cure all components of the PMS. The migraine, menstrual plane, the heavy menstrual flow, even the endometriosis is now curable without surgery, without radical drug therapy. I mean, I've had PMS patients who've been on four or five psychiatric drugs. I've seen postpartum depression patients who were one tried to put her baby in, the, in an oven. I mean, the point is, there is so much hormonal disruption that's out there before and after the menopause, and now we have some really simple treatments at work. And the drugs have been around for 50 years, which I find just fascinating. They've been around. We've known about them. We just haven't used them this way. So what's going on with the other gynecologists out there that aren't doing this kind of thing? Why are they, why are they handing out Prozac and, and prescriptions like that? And why aren't they looking into this? Well, 25 years ago when I had uh, started treating these PMS patients and published some papers, we had a grand rounds at my home. And we had 60 doctors, half from gynecology and half from psychiatry in the same place at the same time. Presented all the data, and the psychiatrist got up and said, I'm never going to write a prescription for hormones. That was the end of their point of view. It didn't make a difference what the data was, how many articles have been published. Um, You know, there have been very prominent physicians who've written about the hormonal therapy. It's very prominent in Canada. There's a number of psychiatrists out of McGill, uh, New York. The uh, doctor who actually delivered... uh, Celine Dion had, had written some extensive work on PMS. Uh, there's good, good studies on this. Uh, studies on the Danacrine were used. I did a study but didn't publish it because there were two studies out of England. The whole point is, if PMS were a psychiatric disease, how could you treat it with hormones? See, the point is, mm-hmm. it's not a psychiatric mm-hmm. disease. It's a hormonal disease. And that's what the point is. You can ignore the fact, but the truth is, PMS, menstrual pain, Migraine headaches, endometriosis are all hormonal diseases. There's just too much estrogen. And by blocking it, we can make the symptoms go away. Isn't that nice and simple? And, and you really felt uh, that to be the case, right? I mean, you were having all of these. You, were you depressed as well? Yes. I, I'm telling you, I had it all. I was everything. I was emotionally, I, I was very emotional. Where I would cry for no reason, nothing. And then two seconds later, I'm fine. And then I'd cry again five minutes later. And I'm not normally a sensitive person. I mean, you ask any of anyone I know and they'll tell you I am not a sensitive person. But there are times where I was like on a roller coaster and my friends are looking at me like, what is wrong with you? We've never seen you like this. Yeah, but what about them? They must have their own roller coaster ride too, don't oh, they? Oh, they're just off regardless. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. We try to stay away from each other. And we actually do have our periods around the same time. Me and my friends. The term is out of control. Now, you know, both men and women like to be in control most of the time. And the bottom line is if you lose control, you lose it all. Now, you know, Steve, you and I can talk about the fact that when we find our testosterone levels dropping, we get emotional, we get depressed, we feel crummy, but our drop is usually slower. The drop of hormones in a woman can be from levels of 400 down to levels of 30 in a matter of 24 hours. It's a 90% drop in hormones in 24 hours. You can wonder what that does. And we've documented this many, many times. So the whole point is if you don't have high fluctuations high and you don't go low, you know, things can get better. And this makes it easier for your relationship and for your menstrual pain and whether you think you're going to shoot yourself or you got a bad migraine and, you know, use changing pads every hour and uh, cramping so bad that it knocks you to the floor. 
Yeah, I told you the story about the woman that was sent to me. She had seven days a month where she couldn't work. She laid on the floor at work. Mm -hmm. The boss kept her. These are stories that are real, and anybody who discounts them is just being insensitive. You know, uh, I've seen miserable women. I mean, the woman who had the seizures, she didn't even want to tell me about the seizures because she thought that I would be think she was crazy, and she came to me complaining about her PMS. She says, I get highly emotional before my period. I said, okay, fine. I started to treat her with the progesterone, and then the husband or boyfriend called me and said she just had another seizure. I said, what do you mean another seizure? I came to see her in the hospital, and she says, yeah, I didn't want to tell you that I have seizures with my menstrual period. I said, well, you're on the wrong medicine. I can control them with the Danazole. I couldn't control them with the progesterone. In 1983, I put this woman on Danazole, and she's still my patient. And now it's 2009, so it's 26 years later. She hasn't had a seizure in 26 years. That's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. And so the same with you, Lena. I mean, most of your symptoms have gone away, and now every month uh, you're feeling okay? Yeah, I'm fine every month. Like, I just recently finished my monthly, monthly cycle, and usually when I used to get it, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go anywhere. Now I'm calling my friends talking about it. They're like, wait a minute, didn't you just get it today? And I'm like, yeah, but I want to go out. And they're like, okay, let's go. Like, it's I feel like a brand new person. You don't have any of the old stuff? I mean, you get your occasionally cramping here and there, but that's about it. But no, I want to cry or anything like that. The highs and the lows and all the mental stuff that goes along, that is remarkable. I mean, that is so cool. Ben, we've adjusted the hormones here. So the high estrogens are matched and the sex hormone binding is matched to a different level Mm -hmm. and that changes the whole persona. The whole person is different because we are emotional because we are hormonal people. Both men and women have hormonal fluctuations. And if we can level out the highs and lows, then you don't have the roller coaster. This is a real medical condition. It deserves medical treatment, and hormonal treatment works. Even for the seizures, the collapsed lungs, the mood swings off the wall, all these things actually are just as real as an appendicitis or a gallbladder attack, and they can be treated medically. And it's all because the monthly hormonal shift uh, with the menstrual cycle that... that it just goes out of sorts, and the imbalance of hormones leaves these women as if they, you've got electrodes in their heads, and it's just frying them, making them irritable as it can be. And then the dysfunction causes heavier uterine flow. The flow backs up. They get endometriosis. They have terrible cramps. In one of the studies I did, we measured uterine pressure. Mm-hmm. And the amount of pressure that women have not married, 17 years of age, having menstrual pain, is four times higher pressure than delivering a baby. So imagine what it would be like to take a, style, a, a, a spiked shoe, okay, and put that on your most sensitive area. You get an idea what it's like for these poor women having menstrual pain. Yeah. Yikes. You know, I don't have any kids, Steve, but I think I can handle labor after that, though. Yeah, really? <laughs> Your relationships improved since you've uh, been on this therapy as well? I yeah. mean, you find yourself easier to get along with? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, when you're with men, we're, we're so easy to get along with. You'd be surprised. Aren't we? I mean, no. <laughs> no, she, she, no hesitation there whatsoever. I wasn't kidding you guys. There's actually an irritable male syndrome or IMS that produces symptoms that are similar to those that you ladies go through with PMS. Between 30 and 50% of men are thought to regularly suffer from these symptoms, similar to women's. Again, same problem. We're getting too much estrogen in our environment. Testosterone levels have dropped 50% since 1950. 
guys aren't guys anymore, so they have these more and more of these emotional, irritable episodes. And as you and I can speak to personally, testosterone replacement does make it easier for us to put up with the stressors of life. And that's what we're talking about. Lower the estrogen levels in women, lower the estrogen levels in men, and get the two of them together, and they have a good time. Testosterone is an amazing thing to me. I mean, it's like aspirin, vitamin C. It's one of the miracle drugs out there. Well, we don't reproduce, we don't produce, we don't live without testosterone, but it's a very important component for women. I mean, what we're talking about is if a woman has an imbalance of estrogen, too much estrogen, too little testosterone, it sets her moods off. She's more irritable. She has heavier flow. She has more pain. She has migraine. It's a balance of hormones we're talking about. We're balancing them by cutting down their estrogen. We're balancing the men by improving their testosterone. It's not illogical to say we have an ideal ratio. Let's put people in that first mm -hmm. and then see how many diseases disappear. So you know, now we're talking about on women's side, the menopause women don't have migraines, they don't have menopause, they don't have osteoporosis, they don't have Alzheimer's, the young girls don't have menstrual pain, they don't have migraine, they don't have PMS, they don't have endometriosis, and everybody has a great sex drive, which is sure one way to clear depression. <laughs> yeah. So you look it's at this It's a nice side say, effect, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, giving them the control back where their mm. bodies are not running them ragged and running them crazy is really what we're talking about doing. And, I, you know, this is... Almost 40 years I've been a gynecologist. This is my 38th year. So I can tell you in those years, I've seen a lot of women who are very uncomfortable and who would rather have the whole damn thing taken out is what they walk in my office saying. And I said, look, we can fix it. We can balance it. Can't do it for everybody, but we sure can make a real good approach. Is there an age where you would not begin this type of therapy? I mean, if you're like 15 years old, is that too young for this as a fix? Now, when it comes to each one of these diseases, we can treat them accordingly. So I will treat migraine patients at 14 and 15, and I'm not afraid to use birth control pills uh, in this scenario. I've operated on girls as young as 14 with severe endometriosis. I've used Danazol in women after the age of nine. These are drug therapies that are very safe. Now, the testosterone therapies I don't use in women under the age of 18 because I feel they should be reproductively complete before we start androgen therapy. With some men, when they begin testosterone therapy, the, you know, there's some talk that if you do it for a long time, it kind of shuts down your natural testosterone production. Well, first of all, we're making the statement that men out there have reduced their average testosterone 50% since 1950. So we're all shortchanged, that's number one. Number two, I've treated men as young as 18 and 19 with severe migraines and the testosterone has solved the migraine problem. Number three, I've been on testosterone for 20 years, I've looked at the blood levels, and the truth is, my testosterone levels will continue to go down when I'm off the medication. But they come back, it's not like they go to zero and stay there, they'll go back to wherever you would naturally, uh, natural levels will occur. Same with women, we put them on birth control pills for 30 years, they haven't stopped ovulating, or stopped producing estrogen. It's just the natural decline. You're just supplementing and suppressing it temporarily. There is a rebound effect. When men come off testosterone, their sperm counts are higher. Women come off these therapies, they can have a, you know, potentially within two, three months or three years have a severe episode again. It all depends on what their body is producing. 
All right, we talked uh, about some of this therapy. Now what about diet? You mentioned earlier that diet does play a role. What role does it play and what diet can we take? When we talk about insulin and diabetes and we talk about well-being, there are certain food groups that are ideal. The human body basically lives best on fish and omega-3 essential fatty acids and green vegetables. In our original existence, there was very little fruit. So fruit is carbs and carbs increase body fat and body fat increases estrogen. So ideally you wanna be lean. Uh, Ideally you wanna have a lot of green vegetables uh, with all the minerals to help your body work and you wanna get your fish and your omega-3 fish oils that way. Flaxseed oils is helpful but some people can't process flaxseed. The original chicken and turkey and beef that we ate Uh, Basically, those animals were fed off of grasses and off of actually bugs. They weren't fed off of corn. So the meat we're getting now has very little omega-3. So fish is still a great food source. Carbohydrates, vegetables, good source. Fruit, not a great source. Yeah, but you know the majority of Americans, you know, they don't eat that way. They go through the drive-through. I mean, they're not getting that type of diet. So to make them want to go on that diet... Uh, what? They, I mean, they will have had to have had severe PMS issues if they're going to change their diet to we're that the, level. We're the same way. When I'm depressed, you know, give me the uh, chocolate and give me the bread. No, you? And give me the Lay's potato chips. You remember the Lay's potato <laughs> chips ad? Lay's potato chips ads were made for women with PMS. You know, can't eat one. My comment, can't eat one bag, right? Yes. Okay. Can't eat a loaf of bread. When these women have carbohydrate cravings, it's unbelievable. And some of them have alcohol cravings, like we talked about before. And actually, it's disruptive. The point is, you know what is right. Yeah. You know, you may run over somebody. But the bottom line is, if you know what's good for you, you can either choose to follow it or not. And when you have the cravings, trust me, you know, it's not going to stop me. It's not going to stop her. But the point is, when the hormones are balanced, it's so much easier. Yeah. I mean, can't you tell the difference when yes. testosterone is good? You say, hey, you know, I can walk by those chocolate cupcakes that I usually eat four of, you know? It used to look like 7-Eleven blew up in my house when I used to get my monthly cycle. That's how bad it was. Really? I used to have everything, Slurpees, I mean, even pickles. <laughs> it was really horrible. And now you're going to tell me you're eating fruits, grains, vegetables. No, no, no. I still go through the drive-thru. Yeah. <laughs> Just, Actually, uh, just went through the drive-thru. But it's, before it's I got not it. out of control, right? No, no, not at now all. Now it's reasonable. I mean, I didn't blow up, did I? <laughs> no, you look great. Thanks. You work out, stay healthy, try to. Try bit? to. Yeah. But I mean, I have my little cravings here and there. So it's hard, doctor, looking it's for people to live that you know lifestyle. I mean, the Licton lifestyle is one of health. You know, it's it's a total health process. It's eating right. It's sleeping right. It's supplementing right. Getting some exercise. Yeah, the whole thing. The the whole enchilada. That's what we need. Yeah, and hopefully a good relationship and good sex, too. <laughs> that's always a plus. <laughs> well, and as I said, that's a, kind of a byproduct of what Dr. Lichten does. He heals a lot of things, but, the, you know, wow. That's yeah. not a bad side effect, doctor. I can't argue. What else can we learn about PMS today? Or have we covered about everything that needs to be covered? I think we just have to get the point in summary that this is not a psychiatric disease. If it were a psychiatric disease, it couldn't be treated with hormones. Mm -hmm. And there's enough articles from all over the world that hormonal therapy, 
especially the hormone therapy that reduces estrogen, has a positive effect on menstrual pain, menstrual bleeding, endometriosis, migraine, and the premenstrual symptoms. You can pick up and make the diagnosis by charting this on your calendar. Just put a big red X where you have your menstrual period and see if it doesn't correlate with your symptoms. The symptoms tend to focus in the two to three days before the menstrual flow, after ovulation, so that could be 10 days before the menstrual flow, there's more symptoms of depression. You can write down that you're not sleeping well, you're anxious, you're a bitch on wheels, you're depressed, you're craving carbohydrates, you have headaches, you're bloated, you're constipated, you have terrible cramps. Anything that you correlate with your menstrual period is what the medical term is, molimina. It's a bad thing women put up with their menstrual period and their hormonal. And... Uh, I had one patient came in with 22 pregnancies. I said, why did you get pregnant so many times? She says, I hated putting up with PMS. I said, I think there would have been a lot easier ways of doing it. Oh, my God. Are you serious? 22 pregnancies? I don't have to make up these stories. Look, everybody comes in to prove that what I'm saying is true. Makes Octomom look moderate. Is that like a world record or something? (laughs) I've seen 26. Okay. Oh, wow. Man, that's impressive. That's amazing. Well, Dr. Lichten, as always, a wealth of information and uh, a lot of fun, too. I appreciate uh, this whole episode on PMS. I know I've learned a lot more. That's my pleasure just to be able to you know, tell some of the stories and spread some of the information that is really makes this a simple, treatable disorder. Yeah. And uh, that's the point. This so, is real. So go to your doctor, and they're going to run some tests. Can they do that? I mean, you can run tests, but the only way you really can prove this is we measure the blood levels on day three and day 23. So you measure them in the first part of the cycle when the estrogen levels are supposed to be low, mm-hmm. and then you measure estrogen progesterone levels around day 23 to 25 when the estrogen levels are supposed to be high. The point is, the most important thing is charting your symptoms against your menstrual period on the calendar, and then he can see there is a pattern. Then you can ask for low-dose birth control pills. Then you can ask for the spirolactone, and that's gonna give you about 50% relief. After that, the doctor's intervention using Danazol, doing surgeries, it's gonna be a lot more limited. But you get at least half of the treatments just by saying, Doc, I'd like to be on the low-dose birth control pill. I'm having bloating. Will you give me spirolactone? You can make your life a lot better right off the bat. And then we're talking about four more levels of treatment for endometriosis, operative surgeries, at least two or three different kinds of surgeries. For PMS, there's a drug called Danazol. The old-time gynecologists, guys my age, are going to know about this drug. Low-dose, two, three, 400 milligrams of this drug daily for 25 days out of the month. Change the whole picture of all the malluminal symptoms. And then for the people that nothing's working for and they become desperate, I have the protocol with the mixed androgens that we've talked about in the past and we're getting results that are so good that we're talking about doing a huge study on endometriosis and avoiding all the gynecological surgery because these androgens just like in Leanne's case did more for her than even a presacral nerectomy. And because we have a lot of our listeners out of state, thousands of listeners, if they're not getting results from their doctor, what can they do? Could they call you and could you uh, interact with uh, their caregiver? Well, we can start by doing some education. We do what's called a phone consultation first. But as you know, I have patients who've flown to see me from just about every state in the United States, and I have patients from four continents. So I get patients from Canada, from England, from uh, uh, Brazil, even as far away as Bangladesh and uh, Malaysia. So it's been interesting that people will go to the ends of the earth 
to get rid of their PMS and their pain and their discomforts. Well, it makes sense to me to do that. And ladies and gentlemen, especially you ladies out there, if you want to get a hold of Dr. Lichten, you can. He's available for consultation. Call him at 248-593-9999. Again, Dr. Lichten's phone number, 248-593-9999. If you want to learn more about him and what he does, you can check out his website, which is at usdoctor.com, usdoctor.com, for all the information on Dr. Lichten. Lena, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming in and sharing your experience with us. Thanks for having me, Steve. You're welcome. And I want to tell everyone else, if you'd like to write the show, write us at usdoctorradio at gmail.com. We'd be happy to answer your questions or show suggestions. You can also follow us on Twitter now, Dr. Lichten. That's pretty high tech. I know you've just got your iPhone, so (laughs) you're a baby techie. But the next step is Twitter. And all they have to type in there is anti-aging radio. They follow us. And what I do is I put up little blurbs. Like today, I said recording the show on PMS. So if they're following us, they get that message and they know it's going to be posted. The minute it's online, I send out a Twitter message. It's called a tweet. And I tweet out our shows online. The, uh, the technology continues within the Licton lifestyle. That's fantastic, Steve. And uh, I also want to throw out a, a shout for uh, my new website and radio program, which is divorcesourceradio.com. Divorcesourceradio.com, our first show went online, uh, and we're on iTunes as well, and I look for good things. So if you're going through a divorce uh, or have been through a divorce, this is going to be a very supportive website and podcast for you. And uh, it's all part of this Lichten Lifestyle group, I guess, since we're, uh, we're turning into a broadcasting mecca right now. That's what we're doing. Well, <laughs> we're going to change we, the world. Why not? We have the truth. And the bottom line is you're not going to get it from uh, standard media that wants to sell Prozac and Paxil and Lupron and Imitrex, uh, Glaxo and Takeda and Pfizer and Merck don't want you to know that your disease is treatable and maybe even curable. And that's what we're about. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a doctor, I want to see your life better. I want to see you free of disease. So living longer and living better is our motto. All right, everyone. Hey, thanks a lot for listening. We have a new program for you every single week on iTunes. So uh, subscribe to our program. Tell us what you think. You can rate us with a little star rating system, and you can even put in comments about our show. We'd love to hear from you, or send us an email, usdoctorradio at gmail.com. Dr. Licken, again, thanks for everything you do coming in and sharing your time with us. We all appreciate it. It's my privilege, and while you're out there, ladies and gentlemen, send a copy of this uh, the story or the lupus or any of the stories to somebody who you know is affected. Let them know that you understand that their problem is real. It goes a long way to anybody who has any disorder to know it's not in their head. So you, just by listening, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy. It doesn't make a difference. Just share it with humanity. That's what this is all about. That's a good point. And you can do that uh, if you're on iTunes right now. You look up there and there's a little button that says share with friend. It's very easy to do and you send the word out. That's a great idea. Thanks for mentioning that. Well, that wraps this program. I'm Steve Peck for Dr. Edward Lichten and the Lichten Lifestyle saying have a great week and stay healthy. We'll talk to you again next week.